0: If, yeah. um, if we go
1: back to, to when you joined uh, Palace from Leicester, I think you you started your, your career at Leek Leek Town, I think it was, That's went right. on to, to Port Vale and and then on to, uh, to Leicester. What was it that, that convinced you it was right to sort of move south to, to London and with Palace?
2: Um, Steve Coppel, um, yeah? I, was, I wasn't having a great I wasn't having a great time at um, Leicester. I'd broken into the team. I'd taken Gary Lineker's place because he'd, he'd moved to Everton. I started yeah. quite well, and then it faded for me, and the fans got on to me, and it's it's well documented, and the the, the, the manager really t- said I needed to leave, basically. Um, right. I had a few options of going to, I think it was Oldham. I spoke to Brian Horton, who was at Hull City at the time, and I didn't get a feel for that, and then I met Steve on the, I can, I can remember it like it was yesterday, Watford Gap mm. service station on the M6. Um, walked in, saw him. Obviously, he hadn't finished playing very long, and it's sort of like, he just I was, still, I was, I was in awe of him a little bit. And yeah. he, the, he just shook me hand. He said, "How are you doing?" I said, "Yeah, I'm good, thank you." He goes, "Do you want a cup of tea?" <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: and um,
2: I just knew. I, I would say within a few minutes, I just knew. I thought if, because, because I can remember Steve playing, obviously. Yeah. And I thought if this if this guy thinks I'm that good, then obviously he he, he, he knows. He's a, he's you know, he's been a great player. So That's it. I just yeah, I just wanted and he said to me, We're playing at Forest like in a couple of days. Come and have a look at the team play and see if you see yourself fitting in. And I went to watch yeah. the team play because it was just up the road. Andy Andy Gray played up the front with Righty and they were they played really well and I just thought, well, where am I gonna play? And when I spoke to him afterwards, he goes, "No, I'm going to put Andy in midfield," and oh, yeah. um, and I said, "Because Andy was playing up top of righty," then. and um, and so that that kind of I just wanted to get out of Leicester because anyone who was there at the time will understand that it was a really you know it was it was one of those one of those things in football that you make a move and it didn't work out and yeah. I have no regrets no regrets about going there because I learned a lot um, I'd only been in professional football one year with Port Vale. Um, mm. And uh, Gary Lineker was up front and Alan Smith. We had people like Steve Linex, um, Andy Peak, very good player, Ian Banks, um, Kevin McDonald who went on to, to win loads of trophies at, at Liverpool, at Mark Wallington. We had a very, very good team and I enjoyed my time then. I learned things and, and, and yeah. in football you just learn that everything's just a process and you, 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 you get better each year. You should get better, improve your knowledge and your skills. And I worked really hard. It didn't pay off there. But I, when I went to Palace, I think all the hard work where I put in at, at, um, at Leicester paid off. So, yeah, it was yeah. Within, within within I don't know ten or fifteen minutes of speaking to Steve. I thought, yes, I want to I want to go and I want I want to sort of um, to be part of it. But when I saw the team play, it excited me because you know I, I, he said to me, and this is I, I mean most of the things you'll hear have probably been seen in interviews or whatever. He said that I've got a kid from a kid from non-league playing up front. Mm. Yeah. He said at that stage. Imagine that right not been in the club long. He only he only just got there a few months before me. That yeah. Steve said he's, he's one of the most exciting players I've ever worked with. Now Steve Coppel's played for England and played for Manchester United. So <laughs> yeah. when he when he said that I was thinking this he's going to be a really experienced player. And the, and he said he's from non-league. And he said and to be honest he said he's, he's he's a little black kid and he needs some help on the pitch. And he said and if yeah. you two hit it off because of your names and because of your colour i think the press will have a field day yeah and that's what steve said that within you know the first hour of the conversation it's amazing so he, was, he was he was selling me the club and he was he was telling me listen i'm new to football i've got lots to learn and I'll, I'll learn as i go along he said but i want to be successful and he's got like you know ron who was backing him and 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 was equally ambitious he wanted to get the club in the top flight and i was taking he said to me you're taking a step back to move forward too and he said you have to trust me on that and um you know, obviously, you know, you, you know our relationship with Steve. That, the, the you know, the, the team of 90, and everyone's quite strong in terms of the relationship with Steve, and you know, with Jeff having the illness that he had, it brought everyone together, and so, you know, it was, it was yeah. a, it was just a great part, great moment for me to move from Leicester to to, to play football and, and feel relaxed and not go out and feel tense because yeah, you're worried if you give the ball away, you're worried if you, you know, you you don't pass it well, you're worried if you don't score. And, and and to twenty you know, I was twenty one when I went to Leicester and you know, I was ready I was ready for the next step and maybe Leicester wasn't the right right timing for me, but anyway, um yeah, that's how it happened.
3: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and you have okay, spoken fun. about you and Ian right up front. And obviously mm-hmm. to all the Palestinians that seems to be the perfect combination. And what do you think were the factors that made you work so well together as a pair?
2: Um, hard work. People people just think it naturally happened. It didn't naturally happen. You know, we had a series of good coaches at the club. And, uh, you know, l- let me tell you, if, if I was a mob, right, I'd want to be Ian Wright. He, he could do everything I couldn't. And if you, if you see Ian on the training ground, because don't forget, this guy came from non-league. He was, he, he was similar to me, except for I was a bit more polished, that was all, because I'd, I'd had a year with, with Port Vale, and John Rudge worked extra time with me in the afternoons and everything. And then I went to Leicester, where there was a coach called Dave Richardson, who used to be the youth team coach. And he helped me in the afternoons. He, he kept youth team players behind. To help me to, to, I was trying to. I was playing catch up with with Lineker and Alan Smith. They were all better than me, so I was playing catch up. So it was the same with with, with Wrighty. He, he had all the raw materials in training, and he used to do overhead kicks and everything. You know the one what Rooney scored. I can tell you now, any yeah. Palace will tell you. Ian Wright used to do that all the time in training. He could <laughs> score from <laughs> any. And, and so what what we were trying to do as a team and as, as 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 a strike partner, getting to take those skills onto the pitch. Don't be afraid to do it on the big stage. But what Ian liked is just just um the game sense of terms of being brought up and knowing where to hold knowing where to pass knowing where to run in the channel you know the instinctive thing you cannot teach and he had that in abundance what we tried to do is bring him up to speed and, and get him to to work for the team um yeah. so ian, he- ian evans who was the first coach when i was there he was fantastic in helping us work together feeding off he used to hit balls to me i used to flick it right I used to get on the end of it or he hit balls to me i used to chest it and right it come around the front and listen, we used to talk, we used to room together and talk, and have things like, you know, on the bed like I don't know a, a shoe, a training shoe, and this. And if you go here, you, I need you there. And honestly, and that, that's, I don't think the kids do that these days. And I think that's what's lacking. That the things that we used to talk about all the time and watch football. We used to have the Channel Four football from um, from Italy. Ron knows you used yeah. to have a connection and get it. We used to watch that on the coach and we were consumed with. Great players and, you know, a movement and touch and, you know, so yeah. and, and the other thing we used to pride ourselves on is looking how Cascarino and sharing and, and sharing went on and looking how um, other players around the leagues went on and who was scoring and I wasn't. And, you know, we, we kind of wanted to be the best. So we worked really hard. Stan Turner did a lot with us. Ian Brentford did a little bit with us as well. Wally Downs did yeah. a little bit when he was there. So it was a combination of things, you know, Steve. Steve didn't too, kind of work too much on that. He, he worked on all this He worked on little, little bits within the team, and the coaches always set the team up, you know. But the, the one thing he said, he pulled in and me in, and he just said, "Look, you put people under pressure, you know. You're very, you're very intimidating. And Solarco is, he'll get there. You've got to encourage him as opposed to destroy him because you're shouting at him all the time. And Eddie McGoldrick and, and Phil Barber and that, you know, they, these people are your best friends. You've got to get them to cross thing, cross the ball for you. And as you know that." Righty used to say to Solarco, "If you put some crosses in today, I'll give you that tie ad on." And 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 John used to be easily bought. So John was the same shoe size as Righty as well. So John used to say, "Righty, I like them brogs. Can, can I can I get the brogs?"
4: <laughs>
2: if you create, I'll give you the brogs. So it was all that kind of thing. So yeah, we worked hard on it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
4: That's all good. Okay, then Mark. In modern times there seem to be a few true strike partnerships, such as yourself and Ian and the SOS from Blackburn and so on and so on. In that sense, do you think the pressure on players to perform every week and the modern squads are rotated means an end? Really, you can see anything like working out for a club like Palace, another strike partnership developing. Um.
2: I had I had a um, like a letter a guy got in touch me on Twitter and and um, he just said I'm doing something for college a thesis and everything and you know yeah. can I interview you about about something and I you know I try and yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm the world's best but I try every now and again I respond to people and try and help them a little bit and and he said to me why are there no strike partnerships now and I said that's something you should be writing for yourself because if you yeah. can see England played four three three the other day, and Darren Bent was down the middle, and then you had Wayne really slightly left, and Ashley to the right, Ashley Young. And a lot of the foreign teams are playing like this now, and it was a question that I couldn't really give them an answer to because if you go back to the days when when I was around, and you'd say Russian Russian Daglish, and you'd say Andy mm. Gray and Shaw, um, you'd yeah. say Wright and Bright, you'd say Shearer Sheringham, you'd say um, um, Sheringham Cascarino, and you could go through every team who would have a partnership. Dixon and Speedy at yeah. Chelsea, and it, that's how it worked. The games become more 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 flexible. The games changed as we know it. Um, I still like to see a partnership, and ev- every now and again you you kind of see it. But in general, people are rested. You play certain people for certain games. Um, you know, I in the fi- 14 years I played as a professional, I played one season every game. That was all I did it. Excuse me, I played I played every game in one season of those 15. That there's yeah. 14, 15 So it's really difficult to do. You have to be fit. You have to be lucky with injuries. Um, you have to be lucky with form that the manager doesn't leave you out. But it's a question, really. I don't have an answer to it. It's um, when you see a partnership that works, and people, partly because partly because our names rhymed as well, and and yeah. I don't know, partly maybe because we're two black players, that people caught up, like caught onto it, and and sort of like not exploit is the right word, but you know, really gave us the. The, the sort of like the platform that everybody goes, oh, yeah, right and bright. Yeah, right and bright. But you have to know in, yeah, did, in this day and age of multimedia, of the Internet, the, the the radio, the TV, all the online stuff that, you know, there's so much more media outlet now. So it's less intense on, on certain certain teams. So before when you've only yeah. got like one match a day or one live game at the weekend, you know, people watch that and they catch up with everything. Now, if you don't see the goals on a Saturday night, you can see them Monday morning or Sunday or You know, and it's um, I think that you know it's it's been diluted a little bit. Okay,
3: Mark, talking about partnerships. Talking about partnerships, I've seen you speaking to James Vaughan a bit on Twitter. What do you think about him having a partnership up front? Do you think there's somebody who works particularly well with him, or?
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, like you know, to be quite honest, right? When um, Steve sold um, Righty, um, he bought in Marco, didn't he? Gabadini, yeah. And the, listen, the, the chemistry wasn't right between Marco and the squad. There was a couple of arguments, and like yeah. you know, and he came and he he, found that he kind of needed to up his work rate and everything. And I think we were patient with him a little bit in the team, and and it didn't quite work out. So Steve sold him after three months, and then he bought from Wrexham.
1: Hmm.
2: What did he buy? That's a good question. You know what? I've got a <laughs> Oh, no, I, I, come on you Palace, Palace think, fan you call yourself
1: fans you <laughs> <laughs> these, these lot are too young I've got no excuse um, went to, went to um, yeah I think Marco Gabbiadini just removed all memories of strikers from my mind for a period of time but um yeah. Chris Armstrong I, yeah. so, excuse me Chris, Chris Armstrong. Armstrong yeah of course yes yeah, yeah. Oh, he, said he, he
2: said listen Chris Armstrong reminded me of James Vaughan a little bit if you remember their style's quite yes. similar
1: yeah.
2: quite mobile Sorry and eager and eager to run in behind and sometimes running offside and he said to me you you know you can make chris you know and and you're the only person who can help him because on the pitch you've got all the experience and everything and chris was unfortunate because obviously i moved i moved i went to to sheffield wednesday shortly afterwards and and you know but he went on to be obviously a good player and play for spurs and and and, and had had a good career but you know james reminds me of chris a lot you know in terms of his movement and you know i just I just, I, you know, I'm not trying to take over Dougie's job in any means, and Dougie knows what no, I'm no. like within the club and everything. But, you know, there was a couple of things that I saw, and I just thought to myself, if he was just a little bit more patient or just improved his movement in terms of not being too eager to get in behind, then he wouldn't get caught offside, and his pace would then really come to the fore because, you know, he, he would bend his run. And I said, we, we chatted on Twitter a little bit, and, you know, he was very respectful, and, you know, he, he just said, I appreciate all of the help and everything. And it, it, it was it was that kind of thing where yeah you know Dougie's got a lot on his mind you can imagine you know he's there's all sorts of things going on and 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 James he will get there he will get there and and you know because he wants to do well and he he worked hard and I said to him listen you you'll work hard in a game and you you won't get a reward for it but don't get despondent because you'll get the reward you may get the reward in the next game And I think that's what he did I think he got his goal in the next game
1: Mm. yeah absolutely sorry I'll apologise Mark, I've been distracted John, I think you were going to talk about the uh, palace, in, palace finishing third Yeah, yeah. Point. I mean obviously we
4: finished third uh, when you played for us And we were genuine title consent, uh, contenders for a period Can you realistically see Palace or any club of our size reaching those heights again? And what was it that really got us there under Steve Koppel?
2: Boy, that was 91 wasn't it? I think it was the year after yeah. the FA Cup Because we went yeah. on to win the Zenith Data I think, didn't we? It was a good team. It was it was it was a good team and it's the equivalent now of Blackpool finishing third in the Premier League. Yeah. Because you people have to you have to put things into perspective. That was what it was like. We were, you know, we obviously went to the cup final in 1990 and that gave us the profile. You know, and that was a solid team and what I say is you can be lucky to win a cup but you can't win the league and be lucky, you know? We, the best team wins. And we were the third best team in the league that year. Did Leeds win it? Leeds won it I think that year.
1: Yeah yeah they did. Yeah. I
2: think I think Leeds won it you know I think that was the year before the Premier League started wasn't it so I think Leeds were the last team. And and we had a we we had a we, had, we had the foundation and, you know the base of the defence you know a good defence with Blazey and then you know Thorny and Eric and that sort of thing and yeah. pet tasty and and then we, we had the, the really hard working midfield and the combination was right we had a few options in there and um, obviously right in myself and it was just um it, it was it was just a great time because on the back of the cup final i can't tell you how long it took us to get over it it was we went we went we had a tour sort of um uh, the cayman islands jamaica and was it trinidad trinidad and tobago in, yeah. after that and because we went to a replay we didn't hardly have any time we we kind of after the replay we just went like we had the, a couple of days later and we were flat for a few days and Steve got everyone together on the, on the beach, you know, <laughs> and, he took, and he just got some beers and everything. He just says, look, you know, you've got to pick yourselves up and it's yeah. no shame to be my Manchester United, you know. We, we've got to use this as like, you know, a bit of a base and move on from here. And to think that the next year, that, you know, the disappointment of losing the cup final, the next year we finished third. And, you know, the, you look at the yes. teams who were below us, it was, it was an absolutely sensational season. and no matter unbelievable. What, yeah, when we've had when I've had conversations with other players like at Sheffield Wednesday, you know, I've had, an, I've had loads of football arguments with Chris Waddle you know, about, you know, first of all we were arguing about who's played the most grounds, all this sort of thing, and then he said to me, "What's the highest you've ever finished?" And I said, "I said, what's the highest you finished?" He said third, I think with Spurs, and I said third with Crystal Palace. He went, "No chance."
1: <laughs> yeah, everyone says that. No yeah. <laughs> no one remembers it other than Palace fans.
2: Nobody will believe it, and I said. The facts are there, what? And you know why we didn't play in, in Europe? Obviously because the um, the the the, the ban on the teams, because, because yeah, oh, yeah. The, the, the the Liverpool fans and that. So we we would have been playing in the Champions League.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's some. It's I say I, I have conversations with people all the time, and people think I'm making it up that I've I've invented some other form of history where where Palace were able to do that and you can't realistically see it happening again but it was an amazing time be, to support the club
2: it'd but. be very very difficult because we all know that it, that's the money is such an influence now because you know say bright say excuse me say um a Black, blackpool stale Yeah. Then yeah. the, the 50 million pound they you know for the first season then a the 50 now he should be able to strengthen that team in every department you know but i can guarantee you when you're a team of that size, a Charlton, a Palace, a Blackpool, you know, a Blackburn, a, a Barnsley, you have one bad season, you go down. Whereas yeah. some of the teams have a bad season and they finish in the top half and people go, oh, it's a bad season by their own standards. But you're one of those teams, as Charlton have proved, as Sheffield went, well, Sheffield Wednesday were a bigger club and I didn't expect them, but those teams who come up and you can mm. call them the yo-yo teams or whatever, those yeah. are the teams who you're saying should be able to challenge for the Premier, for a Premier League uh, or Champions League place, and it's not possible. It's not possible yeah. because the games and the quality of the squads Is so much better now. The, you know, the, yeah. the, 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 it's very, very difficult, and I would say, nigh on impossible for someone to do what we did, finish third. Now,
1: I think so. It's a shame, right. but that's that's yeah. modern football for you. Anyway, Albert, sorry, mate, it's your go. Yeah, Mark, um, you did some coaching with some of our youngsters for a while. Um, just wondering, do you still get to do that? Or, and is coaching something you would like to do more of, or uh, you know, are you
3: very settled in your media career?
1: No, um, it, listen, I, I, I
2: I'm at the academy twice a week, and you know, Gary is the the, the um, academy director down there now, and and I've just continued my work from last year. Um, I, I, I take the strikers from each age group from 10 to 16, and, and 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 now and again I'll take the kids, you know, the seven or six year olds, or eight year olds, or whatever, just make it fun for them. Or you know, that's just every now and again. But generally sort of like, you know, twice a week, Wednesday, Thursday evening, I will get half an hour with each age group. Um and four four strikers, six strikers, sometimes two age groups put together and 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 just try and make it fun for them, you know, and whatever you do with your right, you put your, yeah. with your left, you know, heading, chest, volleying, all the all the little things to try and get to try and put sow seeds in their head that if you're in a certain position, you can turn and score. If you're in another position, you can head towards goal. And repetition, you know, striking with the left foot, striking with the right, making sure they they balance themselves off. That you know they're coming through the ranks. And I said that you see the best players. You can you can talk about Messi and Maradona and all saying they've only got one foot. They they're genius. Forget them. You're gonna become you're gonna be well below them. Can you be <laughs> a really accomplished striker? Can you be? Will you be able to head the ball? Will you be able to volley with the left foot? Volley with the right? Can you have a nice touch? Use your chest. Can you, like, you know, know what midfield players want when you've got your back to goal? They want that ball feeding into them. You know, all those little things, and I'm not trying to take away from anything the, the, the coaches are doing because, you know, we're working hard in the academy to try and get people through. Um, but mm. I'm just, all I'm doing is just trying to help a little bit, give something back, really, to to the club. That is I there anybody
1: gave. that we should be excited about coming through?
2: The, yeah, I think there's some, we have, we've got some good youngsters, and... Um, yeah, I, I don't think Gary. I don't think Gary is it be, be, you know, want me to sort of like bang the drum and sound, sound the names because, as you know, that loaders, a lot of teams like look at the players and and you know they, they sort of like they take them at schoolboy age and you know you get a little bit of money here, a little bit of money there and everybody seems to do it and you know we've got some exciting players coming through, you know, as schoolboys. But listen, it, it's it's such a a hard industry. I would say that. It's the best industry when you make it. it. You know, getting there is really difficult. And if my my brother's, my nephew's in, in, in you know in, in two systems. He's training with two teams up in the northwest, and you know he's very skillful. He's only small, and you know I think what, what Barcelona have done it, it. You know is just say that you don't have to be six foot three, you don't have to be you don't have to be able to run hundred miles an hour and be as strong as like you know you don't know, Mike Tyson whatever. You just have to be technically gifted and understand the game and understand the process of what's required from you. So if you're small and you're good and you're technical and you've got a good touch and you can pass and, and see the see the picture, you can still play football. But, I've I, you know, Barcelona have, have saved a lot of kids, I think, their careers because we've got a lot of small kids who think that because they're not tall, they're not going to make it, and that's not true. Yeah. You know, we've got a couple of youngsters who, I, I think, I think um, Kyle De Silva, who's like his first year academy, yep. he's, he's, he's blessed with a very calm sort of like you know he's he's got a very good vision and he's got a lovely touch on the ball and you know he, he but what happens is the boys go full-time and it, it drains you a little bit you know you've gone from being at school to your a full-time football you're you know you've got to do your education as well and and you train every day and it drains you and sometimes it takes you a while to catch up um but yeah we, we you know johnny williams as well as is a, is a, is a nice footballer um He's, he's in the system. I think he's captain Wales. Um, central little central yes. field player. But you know yeah, we've, yeah. we've got a couple, of, and at schoolboy age as well, there's a big leap in every year. Uh, you know, as the younger ones go out, the older ones come in, and the quality steps up, and the power steps up, and you, you know, and you you see that, and you you see the technique you see them developing as young players, and you know it's nice and it's exciting. But you know, I look at the parents, and the parents come and they're dedicated. They drop the kids off and they stay there, and you know, a couple of hours. And they get in the car and go home. And for the kids not to make it or to be told, they, they don't think they're going to be good enough. It's very yeah. frustrating and annoying for the parents. This is the industry. There's, you know, I don't know, one, one in every probably thousand who will get to the first team. And you've got to say to yourself, oh. you know, how determined are you? Because when I was at school, I can name you three or four people who are better than me by, by a long yeah. way. But I don't know, maybe my driving determination pulled me through. As opposed to my ability, I had to work really hard to get to it to achieve what I wanted.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a huge factor. You know, it's not just about how good you are, is it? It's, I mean, I've, you know, we, we've spoken to a lot of the the academy lads on on this on this show. They've been, you know, nice enough to to come and talk to us. And I mean, to to a man, that they're all they've all got the right attitude. You can hear it in the way they talk. And it's you know, they've all they all talked about John Williams as, as the next one to break through. Um, I mean, obviously, we we heard today that of the of the, of the second years, I think Dan Pringle has been let go, which is a real 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 shame. But it's yeah. getting so competitive up at that, that end, I think that you know it's always it's always going to happen. Listen, and
2: I've 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 hung around and I've been there when I've seen the, these things happen. And I think at my last club, <clears> Charlton, and. When it comes to sort of like April or whatever, they have to make decisions on people, whether they're going to keep them on or let them go. And it's the toughest time for the players because they're very nervous about yeah. it. And, I, you know, I remember at Chard one time, Curbs was seeing them sort of like, you know, 10 minutes at a time. And it's, it's horrendous. And I waited downstairs and some of them came down in tears. And I just yeah. I just told them, I said, listen, let me just give you a name of these the players who got released and didn't, didn't make it to certain clubs. You know, David Platt. You know, went on to win championships at, at, at Arsenal and, and, and Captain England. Ian Wright, Les Ferdinand, Stuart Pearce. There, are, there is a list, as long as you're on with players who didn't cut the cut the mustard, went to non-league and came back. It depends how determined you are. Just of recently, you know, we've seen people like Jermaine Beckford um, go from, I think, from Wheelstone and um, um, uh, Smalling, Chris Smalling, you know, go from um, yeah. non-league to Fulham to Manchester United to... You know, the ver- you know, England, on, on the verge of England. So, you know, it can be done, but the player has to be determined, you know, he has
1: to show a, so a, a lot of application and, and dedication. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating
0: restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. In terms of
2: staying away from the drink, you know, from clubbing, yeah. from girls can get in the way. These are all things that come, to, come into the life of a, a teenager. This is what happens in life. You, you know, you discover yeah. drink, you might start smoking. You, you might, you know, yeah. you might have a girlfriend and, you know, the, everyone's, you know, each little avenue is a distraction from the main goal of football. You know, I'm not saying you can't have a girlfriend or, you You know, I'd say stay away from the beer, definitely, and stay away from the cigarettes. There's nothing wrong with a girlfriend, but, you know, clubbing can get in the way because cl- there's, you know, there's an element of yeah. distraction with the clubbing and nights and late nights. And as we've seen before, players get into trouble. But, you know, you know keep your eyes on the prize. That's what I kind of tell the, the young players. And you, you see the cars, yeah. you see the houses and all the, the thing the trappings that come with it. If you want that, work hard and stay focused and dedicated.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's the sort of overriding message. Now That's brilliant, Mark. Um, okay, we're we'll going go to a, a few user questions because um, we promised them we would. I, I think we could talk to you forever, but um, I think we better, better at least get some sort of uh, questions from those guys. Um, I think, John, you're going to pick up the first one for us.
4: Yeah, we got one of the uh, users, his uh, name online is Kermit8, and he says, Mark, in 40 years of supporting Palace, I can quite honestly say I've never celebrated a goal quite as much as your equaliser against Liverpool at Villa Park in 1990. Uh, just wondering, <laughs> in your own personal goal-scoring celebrations, where that one ranks for sheer emotion, and which one is your own personal number one?
2: Oh, I, I don't know. Do um, you know that... that I? It's, it's very difficult, and, it, and people always go, oh, God, you sit on the fence or whatever. It's, it's very difficult because, as you know, I, I don't know how many fans went to, to Barnsley away. Barnsley away one time, we'd had somebody sent off, and the ball came to me. There was only a few minutes to go. and It was in front of the dugout, and they went. Everyone jumped out of the dugout and just goes, get in the corner, Brian, get in the corner. I started running towards the corner, and then I cut back on myself and went infield. And I went infield, 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 and I didn't know what to do. And I, I, and I just thought, oh, let me hit it. And I hit it with my left foot and it went in the top corner. Now, I don't know if, like, I, I got in touch with Barnsley and I said, because at those stage we used to have one camera and that was the club camera for, to watch the video yeah. of, you know, what went wrong. And they only had one camera and it was not on a TV camera as their own. And I said, could I get a copy of the video, please, because it's probably the best goal scored. And they went, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's outrageous. Oh, it's disgraceful! Barnsley have, the, have probably the best goal scored, but because it, because the occasion was like, you know, I don't know, there might have been five thousand people there. Um, because the occasion sets the tone for prop for a lot of goals. I would say that yeah. the semi-final winner against Liverpool, because because people have to understand that, you know, we've been beaten nine nil early in the season, yeah. and people sat oh, yeah. down to watch this, the first ever live FA Cup game at lunchtime. Well, first live a Cup game ever. But it was there was a double header. One was at lunchtime, one was later on at about four o'clock. So everyone goes, "Oh, I'll tune in and watch Palace get a good idea." Because I would have said the same. If that, you know, if I, I'm, a, I'm you know, as a player, I would have said Liverpool or cane them. That's what I would have said. Yeah. So I would have sat down, tuned in to watch the same thing. But for us to go in, I think it was one at half time, and then Steve to say, "Don't worry, no panic, no worries. We've still got a lot hmm. of football left in us." We've got some set pieces. We've got, you know, we we could get back in this game. You've got to be positive, but you, one thing you can't do is afford to go two 0 down. So you know, be positive. Blah blah yeah. blah. blah. Pepe was shut off down the right. Cross came in. Salaka went in. Ball deflected to me and, I, and hit it with the left foot. And he just, you know, um, ricocheted off. Uh, I'm not sure. So, Steve McMahon was it? Off of Or Ronnie, Ronnie Whelan. Off, one Ronnie of them Whelan. was on the line. He ricocheted off the head. Yeah. And yeah, to to I, I mean. I don't know. It needs somebody smarter than me to put it into the correct words because I don't know how you explain that feeling that that any goal scorer has on it, on any given occasion, no. a playoff final, a FA Cup semi-final, FA Cup final, whatever. When you know you're you're back in it and it's not the winner, but you're back in it and don't know. I think some, it goes all cloudy in your head and you kind of look <laughs> towards the you see the colour and you you you're you're, you're trying to say something but you can't and you jump and everyone jumps on you and and then it, the, the adrenaline drops and subsides and you go okay well it's, we're just back in it that's all we're just back in it um it was a fantastic feeling but i can tell you a better feeling when the final whistle went because yeah. andy, andy gray came up and he right he came hobbling on with his his plaster cast on the foot and <laughs> jumped up and down together and andy gray just said to me he just really simply goes we're going to play in an fa cup final and it was like it was um, that was an unbelievable moment because i can tell you now any player with two or three games to go is petrified of getting injured yeah petrified so that was that was probably one that was my one of my greatest moments and, and also to score the semi-final winner for Sheffield Wednesday against Sheffield United that that was um that was a great moment for me as well
3: yeah okay. oh, i bet <laughs> we could talk about that 1990 game uh, for the for the whole evening but i'm going to bring it back to the to the present uh, for now, obviously Dougie Friedman has been appointed as our manager now. And what would you say to all the people that are kind of questioning his tactics and, and what he's doing after only a short period in time?
2: Yeah, ju- I mean, just be patient. And um, the most the, the most important thing is for the for the club obviously to survive. We've got what five home games and three away games. As we know, our home form has been very good. The away form has just been mm-hmm. really bad. Now I can I can reassure you. you now I, I I speak to Dougie. I'm a Dougie fan. I, I know what his vision. I, you know, we've talked, and I know what he wants. But he, he's he's on a he's in the fast lane. He's really desperate to to try and turn it all around to get to where he wants to go. And I think Steve Parish and Martin and you know are, are behind Dougie. And they've appointed him, and given him the job because he was he wanted it. Steve said to me, yeah. Steve Parish, he wanted it, Mark. He was desperate. He wanted it, and and he believes in him. You know, and he, and he chatted to him, and he and he saw what he wanted. And I think Dougie, from working within. Knew the players, knows the club. The club know him. The fans know him. He knows that that popularity only lasts as long as the results last. You know, it, 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 you know, he will be he will be fine in the long term. I think that you know, I, I like what he wants to do, and I, you know, I'm right behind him, and I, you know, I, I, I want him to succeed. But first and foremost, he knows the first task in hand is let's make sure we win the championship next year in the summer. He, you know. I know what he wants to do, and I know how he wants to play, and I know what he wants to do around the club and everything like that. But it's first things first. It's one step at a time. You yeah. know, he's 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 he's, he's driven. Um, I, I wouldn't say I, I would I would say don't 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 get confused that he's Mister Nice. I think um, he, he could have a he could have a, a, a mean streak about him. Yeah, uh, he's
1: Scottish, isn't he? So <laughs> he,
2: he, well, we're not the stereotype, but he he's just. He's, he's, he's got some drive inside him. And yeah. if you're with me, you're with me. If you're not, you have to fall by the wayside because he wants to go somewhere and he wants everyone to tag along and go along as a, as a peloton, get behind each other and push the whole thing along. So yeah. I'd say to him, listen, it's not how it's not how he wants it at the moment and it's not how the club wants it. It's not how the fans want it. It's not how the players want it. But please be patient and give him a chance. Give him a chance, you know, to get the keep, keep the club up. And I, I think... I've seen a big difference in the team in the application and just in the organization. I know I've only seen them at home Uh, and everyone's working really hard and flat out. And I think that he's got the players on board. I think they believe in him. Basically, we all know this. It's a results, results based industry. The results to stay up in the summer. I don't think he's too far off a a decent team because I can only draw comparisons with QPR last year when, when Neil left and, and joined QPR, and he, he got them out of the way of the bottom. He had a few, won a few games and that sort of thing, and he knew yeah. what he wanted, and it wasn't much. You know what he did? He t- took two players, and, he, and those two players have had a very influential uh, bearing on QPR's position today. I know that they've got another player, and rap and etc., etc., et Paddy Kenny, but... The two players he took were very instrumental in in, in turning the season around for QPR to champions. You know, they're going to win the league. I don't think there's any question about that. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. It doesn't
2: take much. And I know people might turn around and say, Mark, that's ridiculous. We can't even win away from home or whatever. But I'm telling you that one or two players in those positions, coupled with Dougie getting a full pre-season and his Mm. methods over what he wants and everything... I think you know because you you look at the, the odds and that at the start of the season. I think Palace are one of the favourites to try and you know, um, get promotion, and with, with the squad that they had, I expected a little bit better. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah.
4: So Mark, yeah. you you spoke then about Dougie's he's uh, learning on the job, which he's admitted freely. Do you think he's almost come, we've come full circle back to the Steve Coppell that you remember? I mean, he was very much learning on the job, but was a great success. Do you think Dougie could go the same way? Yeah.
2: Yeah, but don't, Steve wasn't a great success to start with.
1: You know, mm, that's Steve, true. Steve,
2: Steve Steve wasn't a great success. No, he just didn't jump in the job and everything clicked. He had lots of things to do and he had to get rid of some experienced players, you know, Mickey Droy and that. And then when it when it came time, it was a difficult decision. And, you know, Jimmy Cannon, who's a legend at Palace, and, you know, to make the decision to not to keep him on, to try and move the whole thing forward, that's not an easy decision. And getting the blend right. Don't forget Steve. Steve had players and he had a criteria that, the player had to have a little bit of anger in him that he'd been rejected somewhere and had a point to prove. Yeah. And I know it's an easy sort of, it's an easy philosophy to follow. You know, you'll oh, let me grab some players who've been released by big clubs, feel a bit angry towards the manager, i have got a point to prove. But, you know, you have to put those pieces together and he only signed a certain type of player. He didn't get everything right. He got a few wrong. But, you know, that's he used to take us away to Sweden pre-season and blend the squad. And I'm sure that Dougie is is, is coming to the position which is better than Steve because Dougie knows the club, he knows the club inside yeah. out. He knows the squad because he was the assistant there, so he knows all the players. Steve had to come in, assess who he wants, who he doesn't want, who to, who he can work with, who he can't work with, get his staff around him that he wanted, get the you know the, the chief scout etc etc. It's all in place. Dougie knows who everybody there, so Dougie starts off on a better footing than Steve, but of course he's learning the job. He's got his philosophy. He knows how he wants to play, and he knows what he wants to do. But at the moment, he has this personnel with him in, this, in terms of the squad. That's what he has to work with, unless he can bring a few other people in.
1: Right, so that's a very fair point. It's, there is a, comp- a comparison there, but perhaps not, uh, not directly. Anyway, um, Mark, we've, we've got so many questions from listeners, but we're going to have to apologise to those people, and, and you know, go well, on, find uh, away, find just,
2: away, find away quickly. I mean,
1: if you've got till about eleven o'clock, well, listen. We got some <laughs> we got some quick fire questions for you. Anyway, uh, we'll see how those go, and uh, there's no no need for a, like a huge answer or anything like that. But then we'll we we'll try and fit in some of the guys' questions after that. So it's a sort of quick five questions for you, well, and, uh, and and then uh, we'll we'll sort of take it from there. I mean, mine first. It's I phrased it uh, in a bit of a strange way, but basically. You sort of hear stories from uh, from that sort of era of football, if you like, about some of the the mad things that go on behind the scenes, and they're usually centred around, you know, the sort of the biggest practical joker at the club. I mean, who, who was that during your time at Palace? Oh, God. That's a...
2: That's a Must have been quite. a few. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I did once. We went away at the end of the season, or during the season, to Tenerife.
1: Yeah. We had a
2: training camp there, and I think um, there was um, two or three players involved, in shaving off Dave Madden's eyebrow, which didn't go down well <laughs> in the next morning. when Dave Madden, we had a couple of drinks the night before, and they <laughs> videotaped it, and you could hear the voices
1: who were involved. Dave,
2: oh. Oh. <laughs> I'm you, I'm not, I don't think Dave Madden knows who they are to this day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> was like, he was a character. It didn't a cat go adult,
2: down well. Um, so the, there's, there's a couple of practical jokers there. There's a... I don't know. The, Pembo was a Pembo was quite funny. Do you know what the squad as a whole? The mm. as a whole, it, the blend was right. You have you have leaders and followers, and you know we had a, some good strong leaders, and we had a few people who like to join in the band. Everybody had their strengths and weaknesses, you know. Salako is right, right. he was funny. Um, you know, I don't know. It was just there was just oh god, one person doesn't one person doesn't stand out. Pards was quite dry because he was yeah. quite cutting as well. You know, because he came in, he was a glazier. So, it you know, it worked with, the, you know, in industry, you know, with guys, you know, the industrial language and the, the banter. So when he came in, he could hold his own with anybody.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so no, that's um, great. I mean, i was just oh, sorry, John, I was just going to say, there's so many, if you sort of think about that team now and you think about how many of that team are in prominent positions either in football or in the media yeah. or something like that, I think that, that probably tells its own story about how strong the personalities were there. Uh, just I just wanted to make think, that yeah. make that point before before John speaks. Sorry, John. That's
4: all right, Chris. No worries, mate. Um, <laughs> if you could sign any player for Palace today, who would it be? <laughs> who would it be? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, uh, John Terry. Yeah. Really? John uh, Terry, Terry, Terry. Just because I, I watched him the other day, and you know what? And, and we're talking about on the pitch things here. He's hmm. fan, he's fantastic. He's a leader. He talks to the people around him. He communicates. He reads situations. He's not isn't he hasn't he isn't blessed with lightning pace, but he's he's, he's just he, to me is a like Tony Adams that yeah. that dying breed where they influence everybody around them and they lead by example, you know. And he's he he, he, he does things right. He times it right and um he pulls people to, into position around him and he's completely he's communicating with midfield players and the goalkeeper, right back, left back. He's, he's, you know, very good and very influential, and people lead, People g- follow leaders. He, I think, he's a strong leader.
1: Yeah, oh, that's fair. Yeah. Aaron.
4: <clears throat> yeah. Um, okay then, Mark. Other than Palace, what team do you enjoy watching the most? Because there are quite a few to choose from. Yeah. Um,
2: I would say to, to visually, I went. I took my boy to watch Arsenal. He's a big Arsenal fan, and to watch Arsenal play is is, is, is it's beautiful. And we all, I, yeah. you know, I, I'd i love them to win something you know, very quickly because he's, he seems to have everything but that final that, that bit that counts, I don't know if it's ruthlessness or I think he's a, the, the keeper and the defence sometimes a bit of a liability but um, Arsenal play I think the football that most clubs most fans would like to see their, their teams play because it's very yeah. beautiful and the movement and the touch of the players and the athleticism it's all good but you know, the winning is the most important thing, as we all know. But Arsenal
3: play with a great style. Yeah. I mean. Okay. And a quite simple question for me: Who is your all-time footballing idol, Mark? My footballing idol, you will never have heard of, and, and everyone always says <laughs> the same
2: thing. Um, um, Match magazine asked me this one time and managed to get a picture of him. Um, his name's George Fryer, and he used to play for the Galley and Kids Grove Athletic. And <laughs> I was about I don't know, about seven years old. And he could play in goals, centre-half or centre-forward. He's like American football. He's had square shoulders and cut down to the waist like a V. He was so... His his physique was brilliant. He he could do anything. Not at the same time, Mark. And I used to carry his gloves up. from When he used to play for the galley, my local Sunday team, the the pub team around the corner, I used to carry his gloves up while he smoked. (laughs) And... uh, (laughs) <laughs> you know, he'd behind the goals and just clap him and everything. He was,
3: like, oh, And then Joe
2: later on, I played golf with him, you know, because I got transferred. I went to, to Leicester and that sort of thing. And he yeah. saw my brother and he said, oh, I'll tell your I'm really pleased for Mark, blah, 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 blah. And then when I came back one time, my brother said, oh, George Fry was asking about you. And I said, really? Yeah. And he gave me his number and I called him and went and had a game of golf. And um, he, was, he was brilliant because he was like, he was my hero, but growing up because back in the day it was like there was like the sunday match or something that was it and i was always out playing yeah. football so i I didn't watch very much football when i was younger i was always out playing so uh, you know i didn't i didn't identify or recognize a lot of players because i didn't watch a lot of football i was playing all the time but george fryer yeah was my hero uh, apart from that i think the obvious i think um you know any of them getting the stars growing up you know what you managed to see on tv um yeah. i think Oh, God, I'm trying to think of somebody. I tell you, I tell you it was an idol to me as well, Jimmy Greenoff, because Jimmy Greenoff nice. played for uh, Manchester United, Stoke City, um, and he was he came to Port Vale right at the end of his career, and he used to He used to train in the morning with the first team, and then used to take Robbie Earle and me on the side of the pitch for technique, the same things that I'm s- showing the kids now in the academy. Jimmy Greenoff used to show us, not not running around like just technique. He was the best volleyer. Chest and volley, cushing on, it head, cushing on his head and volley, and he taught us all those things. And so, like he was, a, he was a, you know, um, he's a big hero of mine.
1: Okay, that's fantastic.
0: Excellent. And uh, Mark, which current Palace player is your favourite to watch?
2: Um, I, I mean, I think Julian's been brilliant. He's, mm. He really has for the, you know, for the last few seasons. Um, that speaks for itself. I, t- to watch though, I would have to say Danzy yeah Cause I think it, i think I think there's lots more to come from him, so I think he's got some fantastic ability um hopefully a signature on a contract yeah well, hopefully I mean everything's dependent obviously you you stay up and then you you sell him the plan a little bit and um because I think that I think he gets it and I think you know he's got all round ability he's he works really hard's got a lovely quality on the ball um you know I know Darren scores the, the crucial goals, but yeah it's, I, I like watching Danzig.
1: Okay, mate. Listen, I mean, bef- before we wrap anything up, um, we've sort of noticed on on Twitter you've been doing a bit of uh, running and cycling, sort of linked to the Jeff Thomas Foundation. Can yeah. you uh, before before we go, can you tell us what that's all about?
2: Yeah, um, um, as you know, obviously with Jeff's um, bone marrow transplant and you know and uh, uh, having leukemia, um, yeah. he just started fundraising for the Jeff Thomas Foundation, set the foundation up, and raising money to find out more about you know, leukemia. I know they've, they've, they've amalgamated with somebody now and I should have the right name but I don't have it. Um, so Jeff's, Jeff's encouraged me to sort of, because I can't run anymore because of my hip, mm. um, I've, I, I started cycling. Jeff got me involved with cycling and got me, you know, the manufacturers and everything and they supplied me with a bike and I mm. just started cycling about three years ago I think it was and every year I've said I'm going to do the London to Paris. So yes. I think the first year was the Confederations Cup in June so I couldn't do it and next year it was the twenty. Um, what was it? The, the, yeah, the the World Cup last year in, in South Africa, yeah. so couldn't do it. So this year, I've said to him, "Yeah, I'm definitely doing the London to Paris cycle ride for his foundation." And um, right. and so so it's so far so good. I went on a training ride yesterday with lots of people involved in the. I think it's just L to P they call it. And um, yeah, we we met and went on like a 55, 56 mile ride, um, and it was the first time I've ridden within a you know a large group. And it was yeah. very good, very enjoyable. The weather was fantastic. We went around the Surrey Downs and went up Box Hill and all that sort of thing. And if anyone wins the mil- wins, wins the Euro Lottery, can you flatten Box Hill for us? please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: no
1: problems, definitely.
3: So,
2: yeah, no, I'm- cycling, and hopefully um, everything will be okay for June. And Solarko, myself, um, Lee Dixon, um, Will Carling, Will's got a few other people involved as well. We'll all be sort of riding. I might hope I have missed anybody out there. Oh, um, jeff, jeff knows the full list anyway so yeah, yeah. But just uh, raising uh, raising
1: money raising awareness for obviously jeff's foundation ah, it's, a, it's a fantastic cause i mean i i remember watching i've obviously read jeff's book and uh, i've watched some of the videos on his site at the time when he did the uh the sort of first one i think they made a program on on iTV about it as well okay, the, the, of the, the front amount front. of the amount of uh, grief he put himself through just in that that first uh, sort of first year if you like. he, on 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 that note I, I i've just got to say that
2: when, you, when you're a professional footballer, you, you you form bonds with people, and it's really strange how, like in life, and at your workplace, you're closer to other, some people than others. When you go out on a Saturday as the team across the line, you're together as one, like, it's hard to explain. But then when you come off the pitch or whatever, you sometimes socialise with some people and not with others. But, you know, in Jeff's Hour of Need, I have to say that the Palace team pulled together. You know, yeah. they pulled together, and um, it was fantastic. I organised a... Um, a game against the, some celebrities at, at Salles Park um, a, sh- a while back, and thanks for everyone who supported it and came along. Um, that was a great day. Yeah, yeah, it was just it was just fantastic that you know the players just came out. You know, I got all the numbers and everything. I started to text everybody and and email and everything, and everyone was saying yes, 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 yes. You know, there's a few people who couldn't make it, and, and, and yeah. no, no, not a problem with that at all. But it was just nice to see the the power really of forming those relationships back in when we played as footballers that. You know, 10, 15 years later, 20 years later, that in the hour of need, people pulled together and the players came together. It was a nice day on the pitch and we had some, you know, socialized afterwards and had a laugh and a joke and caught up. And people have moved on. They've got families and, you know, their own kids are growing up. And it was, yeah. it was, um, it was a really special moment. And, um, you know, it's all because of Jeff. And I have to say that to play with, he's, he's, he's an, he, well, he was an inspiration as a captain because he, yes. he, he led by example. And, he, and Jeff, Jeff was like a lot of us in the team. He made the best of what he had. And I think Arsene Wenger yeah. always refers to the Martin Keowns and the, the Lee Dixons and the, 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 the Tony is as opposed to the Thierry Henry, the Pires, the Viera's, Bergkamp. Because he said these, these are the players who get the maximum out of themselves. Mm. And, and Jeff's one of those players. You know, he, he's played for England eight or nine times. Yeah, but you know yeah, nice, he, took, he, he was inspirational on the pitch, and I mean that's why everybody pulled together for him because in the end he's a, he's, a, he's a, obviously a, a fantastic guy as well.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I mean he's an absolute legend, one, one of my heroes as well, along with your good self from the from the time I first started supporting Palace. But um, yeah, I mean obviously anything anything people can do to support Jeff on that. I know we mentioned in our news item earlier on that there's a, a way you can text to support Jeff um I, I, the numbers on the the official palace website but be it's great great of you to do that as well mark listen i think we're gonna we're gonna let you go there i mean it's it's been absolutely amazing and we've had so many questions in during the show as well that you know hopefully at some point in the future if you've got time we can we can store those all up and uh, and perhaps have another chat with you if that's all right yeah. all you, all you need
2: to do if you if you if you send me the questions i'll, I'll try and answer them on, on twitter or or just by email email to your site
1: if you remember oh, the, the
2: questions, when I get some time, I'll just bash out some short answers. Obviously, short answers than I'm using
1: now. <laughs> no, it's been to be honest with you, mate. It's been absolutely amazing. We're we're sort of what sitting in a, a bit, bit stunned silence, really. It's been brilliant. To, I could I could listen to you speak all night, to be honest, mate. So you know, you know recently, it's been amazing. It's. It, I,
2: in, I, I think there's something for most. I don't know. I can speak for myself. There's something very uncomfortable when people talk to you like that because I was with my boy recently. The guy came over and. He just wanted to thank me for all the, and, and yes. it's kind of embarrassing, and you just say, okay, okay. And you're trying to walk away, <laughs> and you're not being rude, but that's how it right. comes across as. And, and my boy always say, he doesn't get it, because when he watches me on FA Cup Classics and that, he'll say, Uncle Ian was miles more skillful than you, Dad. <laughs> in to Dad, Uncle Ian wouldn't be where he was. So he, he, he said that's not how many skill. You didn't, I didn't have any skill. I couldn't dribble. I never scored any goals. So, <laughs> when people come up, it doesn't realise what the fuss is about.
3: But no, it's
2: <laughs> just, just trying to trying to give something back. Just trying to help out a little bit. And like I said before, yes. you know, I, you can't please everybody. But you know, I, I think if you can try and please a few, it, it, it always helps. But listen, now th- thanks for having me, and um, hopefully you get a good response from it.
1: Now yeah, well, I'm sure we will do. Thank you so much, Mark, and hopefully speak to you again soon. Cheers, now.
2: worries.
0: Cheers, Bye. Mark. Pleasure. Bye. Bye. The Talk Sport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around.
1: You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go.